I'd like to invite you on a walk with me this morning, taking a little journey, you, me, whoever would like to join us over the next uh, several weeks. We're going to go on a little journey to a stable, a cave of sorts, where a young girl named Mary gives birth to her first son. Uh, Mary and her fiancé, Joseph, they, they already knew the name of this little guy before she conceived in fact, that name was given by a special message from God. Jesus would be his name. I'm calling this a journey because if we were to just teleport ourselves back to that evening in Bethlehem, to where this little, little baby is born and begins to cry for the first time, we really wouldn't have any idea, well, why, why this child? Why this couple? Why this place? Um, that we read about in, in two of the Gospels. Um, so we're going to make this journey to that evening in Bethlehem with some stops along the way, stops that are going to help us understand um, what has happened uh, on that evening uh, so long ago. And our first stop, uh, it takes us back to the Old Testament. There are any number of places that we could start in the Old Testament. If I were to continue that imagery of a journey, this is the Old Testament, from beginning to end. We're, we're moving in a specific direction, God's story of, of redemption from beginning to end. So it's all a journey in that regard. Uh, but we're going to start our journey back 700 years before the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. We're going to start with the prophet Isaiah. Before I go any further and, and read this text, here's an outline of what this first stop is going to look like. We're going to, go, we're going to look at the prophet, the, the prophetic message, you can summarize that with the word vision from the prophet Isaiah. Then we're going to look at the unfolding of that prophetic message to Mary in Luke chapter 1. Um, so she's going to hear the voice of uh, the angel. So we have a vision, voice, and finally we'll consider our response to this great news. So that's, that's the value part of it. What value does it have for us? Vision, voice, and value for the people of God. So we're going to read two passages from the prophet Isaiah, just one verse from chapter 9 and several verses from chapter 11 to set the background. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And skipping ahead just a little bit to Isaiah 11. This is all part of the same book of Emmanuel, book of God's coming that the prophet gives us. Chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, 
and the calf and the lion, the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. This is God's word to the prophet. What better way to start our journey uh, than with these words? Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you for this word to your people of old and to us today. We thank you for your grace and showing us the story and how to make a sense of this birth that we look forward to and celebrate this season. Guide us, Lord, as we begin this journey. Encourage us, teach us through these words of the prophet. We need the help of your Holy Spirit to understand and to, to apply these words. And so we ask this in the name of King Jesus. Amen. I've learned the that, that caller ID, a useful tool, and I know you all have it on the phone that's in your pocket or in your purse, or probably if you still have a landline at your house, it probably has caller ID. And I've learned there are advantages and disadvantages to caller ID, which I can't go into the spiritual you know, reasons for those things. But I've also really contemplated my own response to caller ID. You know, the, the, the name comes up on the phone, and if you know, if it's a family member or friend, someone you're looking forward to talking to, you go, oh, yeah, yeah I'm glad they called. You, you want to pick up the call. Um, you want to say hello. Maybe it's someone you haven't talked to in a while. And then there's, there's the names that come up on Caller ID or the location. You go, hmm, I'm, I'm not sure about this one. Do I pick up this call? Do I not? What, what might they want or not? And then there's, there's the names that come up. It's usually not names at this point. It's, it's the, the place. You go, oh, oh, may, maybe I'll just let the phone ring. Uh, maybe there'll be a sudden lightning strike and all connections will be severed. Um, you know, there are those, some people were excited to hear from, answer the phone, and some we don't get all that excited about for any number of reasons uh, when that phone call comes. And for the people of Israel, during the period of the Old Testament, the prophets tended to fit that latter category. They weren't always the most cheery. Uh, they didn't always have the best news. See, pronouncing God's judgment and His discipline of His people, I mean, who, who wants to pick up that call? In the history of Israel... Among all Israel's kings, and we, we learned more about that this morning in our Sunday school, not many are picking up the call. Not many are listening to the words of God, the warnings uh, through the prophet. This was true for the prophet Isaiah during the reign of, of King Ahaz. Ahaz was not a healthy king uh, in Judah. Uh, he was far more concerned with saving his own skin, um, keeping power, uh, than with listening to the instructions of the Lord. And so Ahaz is being pressured by the, the Assyrians to the east. I mean, here they come uh, to go into battle. The Philistines are in the south. Uh, 
And Israel, so there, that's the northern kingdom, Israel and Syria are saying, come on, Ahaz, you need to join us in this fight. And then Isaiah the prophet says, Ahaz, ask the Lord for a sign. Go to him. But he says, no, I'm not answering that call. I'm not going to do it. But the Lord, through the prophet, gives him a sign anyway. It really highlights the role of the prophet in the Bible. I think it's good for us to see that. There are writing prophets and there are non-writing prophets. Maybe you remember the prophet Nathan who came to David in 2 Samuel, an example of a a non-writing prophet who goes to him. But whether that prophet is a a writing prophet or a non-writing prophet, they're given direct revelation from God concerning the the things of God, what his people are are to know about him, about uh, the kingdom. So what they, what they write, what they speak, is not original in themselves. Uh, they're commissioned of God to do this. And we can read about Isaiah's own commission in chapter 6, but the main goal of this prophetic word was to call God's people back to himself. Call them back to obedience. So is it any wonder then that Ahaz doesn't want to answer, doesn't want any part of this? So behind very familiar prophetic words that that we're used to reading, used to hearing this time of year, um, is this tension between the perspective of God through the prophet and the perspective of of Ahaz and the leadership of Judah. You start to feel this tension. So by the time we get to chapter 9, chapter 11, like we've just read, Isaiah is closing his words on this sign, this Emmanuel who would reign on the throne of David. Now Isaiah goes back and forth between the historical present situation and the messianic age. What is to come, this anointed one on the throne. So the Old Testament is a large part of that uh, that story, a story that needs an ending. Um, Through the words of the prophet, we're often shown what that ending will look like ahead of time. So this child, this Emmanuel, would be the heir of David. He would rule with absolute righteousness. So we read in chapter 11. And I want to focus our lens here on this part of, of the vision, its connection with Luke 1, and the angel's voice to Mary. Isaiah starts with imagery of trees, um, the forest. The wicked are going to be cut down. Uh, like you would cut down, like they're cutting down all the, the trees by our house now. But a new tree is going to grow, and that stem, that shoot, is going to come from the very stump of Jesse. Uh, Jesse is long gone by now, but how do we know Jesse? Jesse is the father of David. So if a new shoot is going to come from Jesse, that can, can only mean one thing, that there's going to be another David. A new David will arise. And this child is the anointed one. He wouldn't be just another in the line of David. He would, be, he would be in this line, but reign in a whole new way. Like those in David's line have, have not done. His reign would be perfect. His reign would be unending. I remember several years ago, we took the family uh, to the Sweatsville Zoo, which is in Fort Collins, uh, Colorado. And the Sweatsville Zoo has animals, amongst other things, in it. But these animals are made of old bathtubs, fan blades, um, 
propane tanks, toasters, any metal thing that had a shape and could be welded together. Uh, they would uh, make into an animal. So there, I remember pieces of an old VW beetle that they'd cut apart and they made an actual beetle with legs and antenna and eyes. Um, so you could tell that some of these parts were, were from the VW, but it was a whole, a whole new and different creation. The shoot from Jesse would be new and different, though he comes from the lineage of David. Um, but there's more to this tree language I want us to see. It's in the same verse, if you look uh, closely here. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Did you hear that? The shoot is also the root. In this verse, roots are underneath the tree. They, they support the tree. They're not seen. So this David, this new shoot from the stump of Jesse, would also be the root of his own family. The root of the family in which he was born. So it's a pretty important stem. Pretty important uh, twig from the stump of Jesse. The Spirit of God will indwell him permanently. He will rule perfectly with all righteousness and justice. Ideal king, this ideal human will reign in faithfulness and righteousness. And that, that universal peace of God will come to fruition. I like how one commentator puts this, ushering in God's shalom. The whole, the whole creation is put back into joint with the imagery that we have here in verses 6-9. through nine. Uh, The Messiah would bring peace among the nations. See, among those who would never normally associate with one another, who would, who would never come together on their own. I mean, that, that's the prophetic imagery we have here with all of these animals. These predators actually coming alongside animals they would normally devour and pursue. So Assyria and Egypt, like these, like these predators. Israel and Judah as the prey. But there's a time that's coming when they, they're actually going to come together under this reign of a Messiah. There won't be threatening anymore. There won't be, there won't be wars. Even Jew and Gentile will come alongside one another under the reign of this root of Jesse. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, for him, this time of prophecy, what this prophecy predicts has actually come true. His ministry to the Gentiles is all in fulfillment of the prophet's words, the Gentiles could now participate in the promises of God because of the work of the root of Jesse. Paul knows, he believes that he is spreading the Messiah's rule right then and there in the New Testament. I think this, this prophetic vision is fulfilled, could only be fulfilled in the reign of Jesus, who would be carried in the womb of this young girl named Mary. That's where we move to, to Mary in Luke chapter 1. Mary did not see a vision. Uh, she sees the angel Gabriel and hears with her own ears his voice. So I want to read these verses from Luke chapter 1. Follow along there, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, 
Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So God has spoken through his prophet again. This time it's the mouthpiece of an angel. Angel Gabriel, the prophetic word concerning the kingdom of this child. Now, uh, Mary's response to these words shouldn't surprise us. Uh, This uh, would be a bit much to swallow uh, in the moment. I mean, she still has her mind in verse 31. You know, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. She knows exactly how this works. How is this going to happen? So Gabriel tells her that God is taking care of this even gives her a little, a little evidence that God is at work. This is in no way too difficult for him. You know, Mary, just check in with your cousin Elizabeth. You'll be able to talk pregnancy stuff together. Mary humbly accepts this word. But what Gabriel has just described about the rule of this son that she will carry sounds a lot like the Messiah type of king. This child, Jesus, we know his name by now, would reign on the throne of David over the house of Jacob. His kingdom would go on forever. I mean, that sounds like the righteous ruler in Isaiah 11. This baby was set apart by God and his kingdom would bring bring peace to all. And so the shoot, the new David in Isaiah 11 would be born in a new way. We learn in Luke chapter 1. No ordinary conception or pregnancy for Mary. God must provide in a new way. He's brought this vision of the prophet to fulfillment through the voice of the angel to Mary. So Jesus will share the glory that belongs to God alone. Establish a kingdom of righteousness and peace for all men. All will worship Him. Jew and Gentile brought together as His reign expands over all the earth. And that's happening. It's happening now in the life of the church. And we look forward with great anticipation for that kingdom to come in all of its fullness to this place. So what do we take away? What is of the greatest value to us when we consider this, this vision and the voice of the prophets? I think in the Advent season... 
know, the season that takes us to uh, Christmas. I mean, we're, we're ready to say, we're used to saying, you know, yeah, let's, let's celebrate Jesus. Um, he's our Savior. He's our, our greatest gift. Now we can give gifts because of the gift that we've been given. This is true. You know, hopefully receive a few gifts in return. Maybe that's part of the, the thought. Um, fulfillment of, of prophecy, the coming of God in the flesh, you know, that's there. It's in our minds, in our hearts, but it tends to be peripheral to the real vibes of the season, um, real feelings and desires that, that come with this. So we, we tend to lose or have lost the sense of awe and wonder and amazement at what has been fulfilled. What has actually taken place in history by the hand of God? The new David coming in Jesus. He reigns right now, this very moment. He's the Savior. He's also King, King of, of your life and King of my life. So how often does that Christian vi- or Christmas vibe the Christmas spirit that we're so used to hearing, how often does that really move us to a spirit of repentance? Confessing where we have pushed aside the righteous reign of Christ. You know, we, 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 we sort of push it out of the way, package it up, His rule, His desire for our lives into a nice manageable box. And maybe that nativity set is, is set up in the corner of the house and we say, yeah, it's about Jesus. But is it really? Is it really about Him in our hearts? In our relationship to Him? When we consider His coming, when we gather to worship Him, we're singing our, our favorite songs this season, it should invoke a heart of repentance and humility before God. Just amazement that our God would come for us. We need to respond with awe, respond with repentance, but also with great hope. God assures His people. He gives them hope in the dark days of the Assyrian threat and the prophet. He gives us hope in the midst of the battle, the dark days that we experience right now. The curse has been reversed. Been reversed through the reigning King, King Jesus, but we still live in its shadow. When you open up the paper, turn on the news, it's pretty dark. We can settle into despair and lose hope quite quickly. But the prophet's vision and its New Testament fulfillment should give us hope. God has not forgotten. This little boy who came to die and live again still lives. He's still on the throne. All his enemies will be put under his feet. That is our king. That is your king right now. So brothers and sisters, take courage in this. Let your heart swell with hope. Hope for his second coming. His second advent. It's coming. It's coming soon. And it's it's foolishness for us to guess when that might be. So we get on with it. We get on with it with great hope. All that is broken, all that is stained by sin, it will become untrue in the righteous reign of the Messiah. Christ will bring about this shalom. Maybe He's using 
just thinking, maybe he's using a, a dark season in your life right now, a season of uncertainty to remind you of his faithfulness, to remind you of his rule. You know, when our bodies, our minds begin to slow, when our bodies are broken, when relationships are not what we had hoped for, expected, um, we have hope. The absolute assurance that it will not always be this way. The root and the shoot of Jesse has come. In the Lord Jesus. There's also hope in another way. There's hope for our friends, our family members, our neighbors, our co-workers, classmates who are living in darkness and opposed to this reigning king. There's renewed hope that they too would be gathered and grafted into the vine. Grafted into Christ and his kingdom rule. The coming of of Jesus and that, that first advent, the hope of his return should spur us on in our evangelistic lifestyle. Um, sharing anew, praying with greater fervency for those that, that we know, that we love, uh, to share in this hope. So a prophet's vision, an angel's voice give us much to value in this season of advent. Um, so this is our first stop on a four-week journey Next week, we'll consider the, the places, uh, the place of this baby's birth. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you for your word through the prophet. Encourages us, gives us hope in dark and uncertain times. Lord, may we listen well. May you move through, by the power of your spirit, through your word into our hearts we would respond with a greater awe, amazement, that you would come, a righteous king, living for us, taking our sin upon yourself, and now reigning forever for us. Come, Lord Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.